Welcome to episode 42 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world of Avatar. I'm Kayla. And I'm Andre. And today we are recapping the season two finale of Avatar The Last Airbender, 219 The Guru, and 220 The Crossroads of Destiny. Now, before we start, we do want to warn you this podcast will be mentioning spoilers for Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, The Rise of Kiyoshi, and all that stuff we mentioned before. However, you are free from spoilers about the Shadow of Kiyoshi and any Avatar Universe comic books. So, Andre, how are we doing this week? Good, I'm so excited to talk about these episodes. So, yes. so excited. There's so much to unpack here. Um, I had a, a minor life development today. Okay. I went to my first Ikea store today with my boyfriend. You've never been to Ikea? I've never been to Ikea. I've never been to Ikea. I've never been to Ikea. <laughs> It's, like, it's been a while, but it's like a whole universe inside that store. It is, it's, it's like a whole other dimension in there. I had no idea what to expect, but it's like where ours is, like you don't really see it until you turn into it because there's like trees there, right? So when I turned and I was like, oh my God, it's fucking huge. Yes. was not expecting a parking garage. Oh, wow. Parking garage for Ikea? Yes, girl. I mean, I've seen giant Ikeas before, but they always had like big sprawling parking lots like they would have for a mall, but I've never had seen one that had a parking garage of its own. Wow. Yeah, I was I was thoroughly plussed of the size <laughs> of this Ikea. <laughs> okay. Just the way you're and describing it, I am too. I it was it was great. I we went in and we were just looking at all the stuff. My boyfriend had been a couple of times before. He has like an Ikea card and everything. He loves that place. Um, but we were looking at, we were looking at, um, like just like random shit, like kitchen stuff and like living room couches. And I'm like, I was so blown away. Cause I didn't also know that the prices are really good too. You know, like I could get like a giant mirror for like $15 there, you know, but if I went to target, it would be like 99, 99. Like it would be like totally expensive. Um, and then the whole second floor was just like showrooms. So it was like all these different kinds of layouts and aesthetics and vibes. And it was so fun. It was really, really fun. Oh, I, I didn't get to try. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't get to try the Swedish meatballs. I was going to ask it... if you had tried any of the food there. No, the restaurant was closed. They're still Aww. closed for COVID. Okay. Um, that makes sense. And they were still requiring masks, but there were still some people there that weren't wearing it. I've noticed that ever since the CDC announcement, it's been like kind of like 50, 50 or 60 40 i'd are say are you still are you still wearing a mask when you go out i'm assuming I you am. are yeah yeah i just uh, i just don't i just it doesn't feel quite feel right you know uh like i mean i think they just announced that like about half of americans are vaccinated now and like yeah, half is which good, is not a high enough like, number for me <laughs> oh god no god no i mean there's still variants out there and like also you don't know who's actually been vaccinated and who's lying like exactly exactly that's know. the thing the the only public place that I haven't masked up is I work at um, a music store teaching lessons and it's usually me and two other people working there mm -hmm. and that I feel comfortable because I trust yeah. them they say they're vaccinated I trust them they they don't have and any yeah same thing with my workspace unless we're like um I'm filming indoors with people I don't know because like my job yeah. requires filming um mm -hmm. when I'm in my office like we don't really wear masks around typically we actually are vaccinated like everyone's mm -hmm. I, I trust my coworkers as well. But when we're right. on like a video shoot, especially because we're filming around kids, uh, we make sure we wear our masks for that. So, yeah. Yeah, and I'm still wearing them in the drive-throughs. I just, I just, yeah. I just feel bad if I don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you also don't want to be mistaken for you don't want to be mistaken for a Republican. So, <laughs> you know, I would have that concern 
if I didn't look like this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't, I mean, maybe the hat could throw off some people. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Like, I'm constantly wearing, like, my crystal bracelets and, like, my, my gay pride stuff. So, I don't, I don't know. They're definitely not going to know in June. Oh, when yeah. Pride Month is in full swing. Oh, yeah. Because I mean... I'm going to be going around clacking that fan, like, walking yeah. around with the pride flag running around in the fucking Kroger. Yeah, yeah. I'm just yeah. And have you checked out the Target Pride collection? No rainbow capitalism and all that stuff. But like, I like. Uh -uh. I'm literally wearing one of their bandanas right now from the Pride collection, and like these like little hearts with like rainbows on them. And I'm a sucker for a good bandana, you know. Like, if if any place is gonna have like semi decent Pride stuff, it is Target. But Mm -hmm. I've seen. On TikTok, I've seen like the yeah. Walmart stuff and like. I really want those flip flops though from Target. <laughs> the, the rainbow <laughs> flip flops. I almost never wear flip flops because I have weird legs and like I have to wear orthotics most of the time. But like, I want those flip flops. Weird legs. If I want okay. to take out the garbage, I want to look gay while doing it. <laughs> I mean, you do you, girl. It is our gonna. It's gonna be our month, so you do you. Exactly. Exactly. No one can tell me anything for a month. <laughs> exactly. But enough about me. How are you doing? I good you know i mean I just, i'm on my second week and now the classwork has started to kick in and like mm-hmm. uh, there's so much <laughs> but it's grad school so it's to be expected there's so much reading and then you have to yeah. write a lot and that's just it's just like once you're like okay oh i finally got the discussion board post i can breathe then you have something due on friday and then mm-hmm. i can like okay i finished that i have a writing assignment due monday like it's just it's a vicious cycle i i don't i don't flex a lot on this show mm-hmm. but one it's of my okay. biggest flexes is that i got through high school and college without ever really doing any readings I'm so proud of you i my teachers unfortunately require me to cite the reading so i gotta like actually yeah yeah i know ne- i never i never did the readings there was one class i did only because i actually wanted to good for you because that class was super interesting and the teacher was super awesome. And that's what, yeah. but the other times I was not reading Grapes of Wrath in, oh, in God, 11th no. grade. <laughs> yeah, I'll just no. tell you that right now. Oh, well, I definitely did. not Huckleberry Finn. Like, oh, we read that too. Yep. But like, or the, the Scarlet Letter. Oh, I hated the Scarlet Letter. Fuck the Scarlet Letter. All my hand. Tessa the Durbervilles. Also hated that. Never read that, but thank God I didn't. Uh, wait, actually, did, was I supposed to read it? I think, <laughs> I think it was on the list and I chose to do something else. <laughs> Um, but anyway, like the, um, the reading I have to do, like, it's not terrible. At least they don't use a lot of like super flowery academic language, but there's still a lot of big business language that I'm like, yeah, uh, I just want to make things. Can I like, can you show me how to make an interesting Instagram post? Can you show me how to like do that <laughs> stuff? That's yeah. the kind of things I want to do. I want to make things like someone else tell me the numbers and explain them to me and I'll just make stuff happen. But either yeah, way, I, I have to understand the numbers anyway. So I'm just I for any of people who might be who who might be like somehow involved with the grad school program or any future like you know people who are looking at my stuff. I mm-hmm. like my I like learning things. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I like my program. I'm great. It's great. It's, tr- <laughs> it's actually true that I actually am excited to learn some new things. Words of advice for someone who might be trying to decide that they want to go to grad school. I'll just tell you what a great friend told me. Mm-hmm. She said, "If you have." any doubts about going don't go it's got to be something you want to do wholeheartedly because there's going to yeah. be a lot of shit there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of work and if you're not in it you're going to hate every second of it yeah and, so, and, and that 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 made up my decision i was like okay i'm not going yeah see i'm a, i chose to go to grad school because um i studied journalism in undergrad and like at the time i kind of finished my degree i was kind of like 
there's other things that I want to do too, like with like mm-hmm. that might require me to get more into marketing because you know I'm passionate about things like you know D, you know you know Marvel DC nerdy stuff and like yeah. you know I was like that would be cool maybe work for that one day. Either way, I just want to learn as much about content creation as possible, and so like having a marketing degree could you know combine that with my journalism degree and just you know sure. squish those things together and make me a cool storyteller and valuable asset to any digital team that's out there so hire me eventually <laughs> may 2022 i'm ready baby <laughs> well i mean this podcast could technically count as content creation for you oh i absolutely i talk about it like you know it's like oh yeah i have two podcasts you know this yeah <laughs> yeah definitely I'm, I'm always this 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 podcast has actually gotten me a lot of a lot of gigs in the freelancing world so you know, we're both thankful for this. But anyway, yeah. let's move on. Oh, we got, yeah, of course. We have more we have got, more important things at stake, like the season two finale. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We've got one bit of news that we just want to get out of the way real quick. Of we'll not course. get out of the way. We want to talk about it real quick. But, it is important. Um, Dark Horse Comics is actually releasing Beasts of the Four Nation, which is a new Avatar The Last Airbender art book. Mm. Um, so this book will explore the many animals and creatures that we see in both Avatar and Korra. From the Air Nomads Flying Bisons to Kyoshi Island's Elephant Koi to the Earth Kingdom Singing Groundhogs. You're going to see all of the creatures that we've seen in the show and the book will be released as a hardcover edition and a deluxe edition and it'll be available for purchase on october 12 2021 nice so not very far not very far Mm -hmm. i do think that eventually we will get to those art books here on the show um but that's very far yeah exactly (laughs) especially because we're gonna get more stuff with like comics and you know uh avatar studios we're gonna be busy for a while (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I was gifted um uh the art book for Avatar. Oh. Um and it is it is very very interesting and amazing and I'm glad that they're I would love to get the one for Legend of Korra. Yeah. Um and I definitely want to get this, yeah. but it's a great like coffee table book for sure. Like it's like huge, like it's like hardcover and it's like glossy pages filled with nice. just like these amazing like concept artwork and and just blurbs from bright here and there to explain some things so oh, that's yeah awesome. yeah if you don't have an art book i would i know they're they are a little bit expensive it was like 80 dollars um, i have like no room on my coffee table for a coffee table book but <laughs> you just I, have stacks of books <laughs> it's not even books it's just other stuff it's like the you know the chair of shame you have where you stick all your dirty laundry Mm-hmm. it's like it's that bad. with like everything else that's the only bit of news so are we ready to get started with our recap absolutely well i mean before we begin talking about the recap like the actual deep nitty-gritty details of the recap and all that stuff mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. i just want to say that this is like one of the episodes of this series like this cluster of episodes is like one that i would wish that i could just forget that i ever watched it and rewatch it with fresh eyes i don't know about you like i don't know if i want to be re-traumatized um but yeah i'm I happy to be traumatized it means good storytelling it means i care about things i volunteer <laughs> you know? tribute yes <laughs> you know i mean this technically was the first avatar thing i ever watched it was literally airing on nickelodeon i was at my cousin's house and i literally i had no context i had no idea who any of these people were but i watched from like the part when katara and zuko were in the cell together onwards the rest of the episode uh-huh. And like I, it just blew my mind. It stuck with me. It lived in my head rent free for like ten years <laughs> until I rewatch until I ended up actually watching the series. So, very cool. You know this this has a very special place in my heart, or whatever's left of it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, let's begin with two nineteen, the Guru. And I just wanted to comment on the quick recap that happens before the episode starts, where it has the part where it's like Roku says that if Aang's killed in the Avatar state, the cycle will be broken. And like, I'm just like, a lot of this episode is just like, it's a special tool. It's going to help us later. 
you yeah. know, type of like, you know, foreshadowing. And I mean, if I was watching this for the first time right now and like it would it, that clip was shown, it's like I would be extremely nervous of the outcome of the episode. Like they set it up right away that something's going to happen. I would, too. And this is like my I, I hate when TV shows. Does, I understand it's for kids. I understand it for the kids. Yeah. But even like grown up adult TV shows will do this. And it's just like, well, I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder why I needed it to be reminded of that specific piece of information. Extremely specific piece of information. I don't know. For me, I'm not saying Avatar because, again, it's for kids. Yeah. But <laughs> when an adult TV show does that, I'm like, I'm not an idiot. I remember that. I, I yeah. know what's going on. And I, I know what this is. I know yeah. who you are. You know who I am. And I know what we are. I know what's going on. Anyway. I mean, as a kid, not only you usually skip the recap. You don't care. Well, and also not to mention this, they they did one episode like every week. So this is like yeah. 20 weeks of, of episodes for some people, mm-hmm. you know, give mm-hmm. or take. So I could understand why maybe someone might forget something like that. It would be annoying for someone who's watching a streaming service and being like, I literally just watched like the first episode like two hours ago. I well, that's why you click, you click <laughs> skip intro and you just go from there. <laughs> the episode opens. Zuko has woken up from his angst coma as a happier person. Like Zuko smiling consistently. Zuko content. That's suspicious. That's weird. I was like, absolutely <laughs> not. I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never happy. That's like he literally says in the next season. Exactly. I forgot that this this that moment where he holds up the bowl. I've seen the meme where it's like filled with like hearts emojis mm-hmm. and everything. Have you seen that? I think I have probably. I, I didn't know it was from this episode. So when it happened, I was like, oh. <laughs> there you go. But like he actually tries some of Iroh's soup and actually likes it. And he's like super positive. He's excited for his uncle opening the new tea shop. And he's just got a positive outlook on his situation. I'm like, wow, he managed to do that without therapy. All he had to do is get sick. (laughs) (sighs) This is what I wanted. (laughs) This is all I wanted. Zuko going to therapy? (laughs) (laughs) No, I just wanted them to be happy in their tea shop in Bossing Say. You get that for 10 minutes and then it's just not even not even okay i was being generous oh. for 10 minutes honestly but yeah um but whatever ira yeah. was cooking up i i would i would absolutely try that shit looks good especially if zuko is a little picky and is a picky eater myself i, I trust that yeah yeah <laughs> um meanwhile ang and sokka land in chameleon bay for sokka to reunite with his father and sokka's a little nervous to be meeting his dad again after all this time and uh, he asks Aang if he's nervous to meet the guru, to which Aang says that he isn't, and he's ready to finally master the Avatar state. Again, almost everyone, some people aren't, are in just great situations. They're like, they're on their way to get what they want, except for Toph. Uh, and just, you know, it's good. I would, then, I would, no, I think Toph is, is going to get what she wants. Maybe eventually. like some closure with her family, you know? Yeah, but I mean, like, she got captured, so well, oh, while trying well, to pursue that. That's what I meant. At this t- point in time, okay, she has okay. been captured. Sure, sure. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So they all have an optimistic outlook on things and we just like, it just makes the dread build more, especially for those who have seen this before, because we know what's coming. But even though for, even though for those who haven't seen this episode, we know the Fire Nation has infiltrated Bossing Say like literally right under everyone's noses. So there's just like, yay, but also like, it's the the dramatic irony is so juicy in this episode. It is thick. Because you know that that some it's something is about to blow up and happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like pulling your hair out, like watching these characters think everything is like completely fine. And then I mean, it, it even started er- like earlier in the season when we realized that Zuko and Aang were in the same city. You know, like yeah. that. Like, it's something's just like, gonna happen. Mm-hmm, something's gonna come to a head eventually. 
Sokka walks into the Southern Water Tribe base and is greeted with warm welcome by the uh, warriors of the Southern Water Tribe. And they guide him to a large tent where he finds his dad and Bato, the Water Tribe warrior that we met last season. Um, they're studying a map and Kokoda looks up, sees his son, and he hug gives him a big hug. And it's just a sweet moment, you know? Very sweet moment. Like... I don't know. And also the people people on the internet thirsting over their dad, over Sokka and Katara's dad. I just want to comment on that as Andre sips out of his David mug from Shit's Creek. <laughs> no, not you Listen, two. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny um, those allegations. Um, uh, but... I had to comment on it because it's the first time we've seen him and people just like, everyone's talking about Zuko, but has everyone talked about Katara and Sokka's dad? Like, <laughs> Well, it's not the first time we've seen him. We saw him in Appa's Lost Days. That's right. I'm good. I mean, yeah. like, as in, you know, realizing that it's him, you know. Sure, sure. Anyway, um, if only we could live in this optimistic, sweet part of the story. But no. No, we have to swing back to Bossing Say, where the Earth King's hanging out with Ozai's angels, who he thinks are the Kyoshi warriors. And then he just starts spilling the beans on everything. He says, oh, yeah, by the way, we have this big plan to go invade the Fire Nation on the Day of the Black Sun. <laughs> Andre has left the recording booth. <laughs> he, is, he is done with this guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when I say this made me unreasonably annoyed, I was like, well, no wonder... No one gave this fool any military information. He's just blathering about this secret, top secret Fire Nation invasion. He don't know this girl. He doesn't know any of these people. Hmm. Bro. Hmm. Oh, my God. Get a grip. I blame him for everything. Yeah, it's his fault. But Azula's surprised, but she manages to keep her emotions in check. And she's like, oh, what an interesting plan. Mm -hmm. Can I about it? I, but I love this thing in animation. Avatar does it thousands of times. But I love that thing in animation where the character hears something and they like animate the eyeball to be like, like to signal that and, they've and also, realized what's going on. And also like the bell, the first Zula bell of the episode happens right there. It just. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Perfect moment. Uh, meanwhile, Katara is attending a war meeting where Momo is using the battle figurines as toys. Um, good for her, I guess, of being in a military <laughs> meeting. Like, she, you also forget that, like, how young she is, too. She's like, oh, look how they, it's funny that Momo is playing with these things. And they're just like, the rest of the generals are like, this is, this, this is not cool. It's, I'm not mm -hmm. amused. Um, anyway, General Howe asks Katara to deliver a scroll detailing the invasion plan so it may receive the seal of the Earth King, which will finalize the plan. That's no longer You know, secret. putting the details of a plan in a top secret scroll. Yes. For let's a put, reason. Let's put it on paper, because paper, <laughs> great way to get it lost. Yeah, it's not great, guys. Anyway, anyway, grown-ups are incompetent. Let's move on. Uh, Aang arrives at the Eastern Air Temple and finds Guru... It's Patik, right? That's how you pronounce mm -hmm. it? Okay. Yeah. Guru Patik uh, meditating on top of the tower. Um, the Guru introduces himself as a spiritual brother to the Air Nomads and a close friend of Monk Yatso. So, like, this guy has been waiting, like, a hundred years for Aang to finally show up. Like, at least, I right? I mean, Possibly. yeah. He said he knew it's not, un it's not unprecedented, though. We know people last far longer Boomy. in this universe. And, you um, know, yeah, Lauga, Kiyoshi. Kiyoshi, yeah. So. Um, I will say this, though. I have, I just have to say this. Go for it. Um, I know this was, like, 2006. 
but like the very stereotypical like Indian sitar music, I was like really not here for. Mm-hmm. It kind of made me cringe. I was like, yeah, I meant to comment on that. Like, not good. Not, not good. Not, guys. Did, did, that did not age very well. No, but considering that most of like the show is based off of like you know Asian and you know indigenous cultures. They could have done a lot worse, but that was not a good move on their part. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Anyway, um, Aang asks uh, Tachi how he plans on teaching him to gain control of the Avatar state, to which the guru replies, he must first bring balance to himself before he can bring balance to the world. You know, working on yourself, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. Aang goes to therapy, basically. Um, the guru first asks uh, Aang to drink something, and he does. Then he spits it out because it's onion and banana juice, which made my stomach turn thinking about... Oh what could that possibly Shit. taste like garbage meanwhile <laughs> master Yu, uh toff's former earthbending teacher and shinfu the wrestlemania guy are arguing over the directions to go back to toff's parents toff then yells at them to stop arguing to let her out to go to the bathroom and Yu's about to go let her out but then like shinfu's like dude she's 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 fucking with you but yeah anyway she's like but then shinfu's like why is that shinfu shinfu then says you may think you're the greatest earthbender in the world, but you, even you can't bend metal. Foreshadowing, and there's a lot of it, guys. It's very, there's absolutely thick with dramatic irony that only increases when you watch the episode a second, third, or fifth time, or hundredth. I watched this recently with uh, my stepsisters. They were watching this for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then when that happened, they were like, is she going to? No, she can't do that. And I'm just sitting there like, I don't know. I guess we're just going to have to wait and see, huh? <laughs> I can't stand being in that position. Like, because yeah. I never know how to respond. I never know how to be like, oh, I don't oh, know. God. Maybe, <laughs> you know. That's literally what I did with my brother when you were watching The Umbrella Academy. And we actually did watch the season two finale, like the final episode of season two together. We watched Crossroads mm-hmm. of Destiny together and he had never seen it before. And I was already ahead of him. I'll tell you his reaction later. It was so funny. Um, but anyway, uh, we cut to Ozai's angels who are wiping off the Kyoshi warrior makeup. Um, you know, Tylee is like, wow, finally, like, Vade's not wearing something that's totally, like, you know, makeup that's totally depressing. Like, <laughs> um, Azula then presents the idea to the girls and says that they now have a perfect opportunity to conquer the Earth Kingdom from the inside and to succeed where the Fire Nation has been failing for a hundred years. Um, which, like, Again, she I, I forget that she's here technically here for Zuko, like she, Zuko and Iroh. I, I keep forgetting that, that that's what they're most that they're there for first. And it's like, oh, while we're at it, we'll just overthrow the Earth it, Kingdom. Just oh, is that casually. Right? Is that why they're there? You know? I think so. Because like, they were first, I mean, they, I mean like, their first mission was to originally get to Zuko, I think, and Zuko and Iroh. And then they was like, oh, while we're at it, we'll just take over the entire Earth Kingdom. That's how it feels I don't to know. Me, I, thought, I, thought they, I thought they, I thought they're original plan was because she's surprised to learn that Zuko's in the city. Right. Okay. Then at that point I was thinking like, it's not the way that Azula talks about it in this scene. I thought that like, Oh yeah. I, I, I could see, I could see. Yeah. Anyway, but I think, I think, yeah, still... I think they definitely disguise themselves as Kyushu words to get in on the inside. Exactly what she says here. Like the fire nation has been hammering on the outside, but not there in the inside. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then in that case, I got it mixed up and yeah. Oops, I messed up. But still, the fact that she comes up with this plan and it goes like not just well, yeah, like, super and the fact well that it's executed them. in what like, a day, yeah, 
like what that's, 18 that's... hours like it's crazy uh back at the eastern air temple guru patik begins uh, and construction of the chakras now in order to access the avatar state he needs to open all of them so he uses the explanation for the uh is it chakras i think it's chakras i keep i keep hearing it too. i heard it two different pronunciations there's a, there's a lot of different ways to say it yeah. uh so yeah so he uses like a pond uh that's been clogged with algae and he explains to ang the concept of chakras hints that the clogs between the pools um you know if you remove the clogs the you know be able to flow the water will be able to flow just like energy mm-hmm. flows to the body when the chakras are open so i mean i think it's a really i mean here's the thing this is like a big part of like you know like certain like philosophies and beliefs and like they managed to make that as simple as they could with this yeah. you know um, I wanted to read a little bit on like the uh, the origin of the chakra system. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Um, so the chakra system originated in India between 1500 and 500 BC in the oldest text called the Vedas. Um, evidence of chakras spelled Kakra or Kakra is also found in the Sri Jabala Darshana. Um, and it has a lot of different, um, it makes a lot of different appearances. But as to what they actually are, um, the chakras refer to various energy centers in your body that correspond to specific nerve bundles and internal organs. The seven major chakras run from the base of your spine to the top of your head. If these energy centers get blocked, you may experience physical or emotional symptoms related to that particular chakra. Hmm. Um, yeah, so it is very much a, a real life um, sort of thing. Interesting. But yeah, yeah, exactly what Andre said. There's seven within the body, each with a different purpose mm-hmm. and different blockage. And opening them is an intense experience. You got to open them in order. And you got to open all of them in order to access the avatar state. Um, yes, and the, and they're in the in the real world. They are labeled somewhat different. Um, so from the the top of the head to the base of the spine, it goes the crown chakra, third eye, throat, heart, solar plexus, sacral, and root chakra. Yeah. And the one, yeah. how they describe it in the show is earth, water, fire, air, sound, and light. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So while meditating to opening his, open his earth chakra at the base of his spine, and which, which deals with survival and is blocked by fear, Aang sees his fairies laid out before him, which means like, you know, the blue spirit charging at him, Katara being dragged underground by General Fong, the Sozin's Comet arriving, and himself in the Avatar state destroying, you know, the Fire Nation's uh, soldiers at the Northern Air Temple. The not- oh, I keep saying Air Temple. The Northern Water Tribe. Why do I keep <laughs> saying that? He keeps seeing Koizilla. That's the point I'm trying to say. Before yeah. the vision finishes on the shadowy figure of Fire Lord Ozai. But once he clears his thoughts, the images disappear and he successfully opens the Earth Chakra. Earth. I said Earth, not Air. Uh, they then proceed to the water chakra in the sacrum, which deals with pleasure and is blocked by guilt. Um, when Guru Patik asks what he blames himself for, Aang remembers the day he left, he fled the Southern Air Temple after finding out he was the Avatar, and the fact that he'd hurt the Earth Kingdom soldiers at General Fong's fortress while in the Avatar state. Um, Patik mm-hmm. tells Aang to accept that these things happened to him and urges him to prevent him them those things from clouding his judgment and messing with his energy. Aang needs to forgive himself if he wants to be a positive influence on the world. Aang goes to therapy, guys! In case I forgot to establish that before. This is basically what's happening here. Spiritual, but also therapy. (laughs) And also, I mean, kudos to Aang for almost immediately being able to open these chakras. Seriously. It it, it really um, exemplifies just how inherently spiritual he is and how spiritually aware he is. Could you imagine like watching a scene with like Korra trying to deal with this stuff, like opening her chakras? No, <laughs> absolutely I think, not. Honestly, I think that would be super interesting. 
personally. Well, I want to talk when we get to the 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 last truck. I want to talk about how it relates to the Avatar state and then specifically how it relates to Korra. Yeah, so we'll get to that. Yeah, go for it. Anyway, so uh, he opens his second chakra. Uh, back at the Chameleon Bay, Sokka, his father, and the rest of the warriors are preparing what Hakoda calls Tangle Mines, which are made out of you know these buoyant bombs that have skunkfish and seaweed inside. Once they blow up, the seaweed tangles the propellers in the Fidation ship, and the stench makes the soldiers abandon ship. Hakoda then points out he called it the Stinkin' Sink, which Sokka just dies laughing at. And, and they're like, oh, this is... This is, this <laughs> this is, is where Sokka gets all of it from. Mm, <laughs> and even Bato yeah. straight up says it, too. He's like, oh, God. Oh, there's now two there's two of there's them. There's two of them. <laughs> uh, a scouting party then returns and informs the rest of the warriors that there's Fire Nation ships coming. Hakoda springs into action, tells Bata to prepare finishing the mines, and the rest of the warriors prepare to fight. And Sokka was wondering what he should do. And Hakoda says, uh, yeah, I meant you too, buddy. Let's go. And it's just like the validation that like Sokka mm-hmm. is so desperately wanted just... I loved it. I loved it. I did notice this though that I didn't um notice before is um this is like uh they're setting up um where they end up at the beginning of season 3 which is on a Fire Nation ship. Mm-hmm. So they end up being successful with with taking down these ships and they're like they're like commandeering it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's really cool that this is like kind of set up in the shadows, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it'll get pays off in the next season. Little pieces of chess in the Mm-hmm. together um yeah. but back in boston say at the grand opening of the jasmine dragon customers are pouring in and i was just having a hard time believing like wow like my dream actually came true like this is amazing you know and uh it's like hey zuko go follow your dreams kid and you you know work hard and it's gonna you know it'll turn out great and then zuko congratulates him and he's just and he's just glad that zuko's there to sell you know celebrate with him on this special day for both of them and they hug and they go back and make more tea and they're actually happy. This is all I wanted. For like five minutes. We even get five minutes of this. Oh. Ugh, it hurts. It hurts. <laughs> it makes what happens in the next episode just much worse. Just like just twist the knife, man. So from a star- storytelling perspective, I absolutely understand it. But I'm just like it's, the it emotion like the 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 fluff in me is just like oh i just want them to be in like their tea shop making tea for people be happy be happy just be happy (laughs) but no that can't happen anyway back to the air temple ang and pati arrive at the fire chakra which is located in the stomach which deals with willpower and is blocked by shame um so he asks he essentially asks ang what he's ashamed of and why you know why is he disappointed in himself and he has a mm-hmm. vision, and Aang has a vision where he first attempted firebending and burned Katara. He says that he'll never firebend again, but Patik says that in order to obtain balance, he must accept all aspects of his life, in the, including the fact that he is the Avatar and he is a firebender. And mm-hmm. he accepts it and opens his third chakra. All right, good for him. Let's go. Yeah. Um, but I, I do like Guru Patik's like, comments. Like that chakra opened less like a flowing creek and more like a burping bison. Like, I don't know. That just made me laugh. Goofy yes. moment. Meanwhile, Mei and Tai Lee, dressed up in their Kiyoshi warrior garb, are hanging out on the front steps of the Earth King's palace, where Mei complains about her outfit and the tasks involved with being the Earth King's audience, especially cleaning up after the king's pet bear. Not platypus bear, just a bear. <laughs> I can't believe he made the Kiyoshi warrior. I know they're not actually the Kiyoshi warriors, but, still, but like, I can't believe this be guy made them like not servants. Doesn't he have exactly, exactly. Ridiculous. Um. Tylee, you know, 
tells May to be patient and says, "Oh yeah, like Azula's got this plan." And then Ty, you know, May's just like, "Stop! We 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 are in public right now." Like, mm-hmm. but of course it's all a big ploy. You know that the Daily agents are you know hanging around, spying on people, doing their Daily dastardly deeds, um, and they just creep off to go report to Long Fang, who they're still loyal to, and yet they still get a paycheck from the government anyway. Um, <laughs> You know, it is a wonder how the Dai Li have this grip on the city when they are so easily duped by this performance. Like, it's so obvious. Like, yeah. come on. Like, it looks Do you like- want the whole city to know we're Fire Nation? Yeah, that's how normal people talk. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> Once they're gone, Azula emerges from the shadows and compliments her friends on their acting skills because Longfang will definitely be informed of their plans now. The next chakra is air, which is located in the heart, deals with love, and gets blocked by grief. And Aang processes his grief for the lost culture for his lost culture and the air nomads who were killed by the Fire Nation during the genocide. And Gyatso is the first one he sees. Um, they then fade away and become smoke. And I think Patik has a really like profound thing to say here about that love is a form of energy that swirls around people, that the air nomad's love for Aang still exists in Aang's heart and is reborn anew in the form of new love with his love for mm-hmm. Katara. And he just lets his grief and pain flow away. You see him, you know, crying. It's just, it's just, I don't know, just a nice break in this like ever mounting tension in this episode. Um, and just watching Aang process his grief, you know, and just, you know, kind of see that, you know, it's just such a profound statement about how, you know, we still have the love from those we've lost. Um, you know, again, like, so as someone who's lost someone recently, that part actually did get me a little choked up out of, yeah. just, it's just a really, it's a really profound thing and comforting too, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the next chakra is the sound chakra, which is located in the throat, deals with truth, and gets blocked by lies. So he remembers the incidents where um, he kept his identity as the Avatar secret from Katara and Sokka because he never wanted to be the Avatar. That's why I didn't tell them that. Um, Fatigue then says that Aang can't lie about who he is and that he needs to accept his destiny as the Avatar. He gets a vision from like the opening credits of the show of him on the mountaintop before it pans mm-hmm. up into the sky. I'm like, I remember yeah. that shot. Um, but he accepts his role as the Avatar and opens the chakra. Um, they then move on to the light chakra, which is no- located in the forehead, deals with insight, and is blocked by illusion. The guru then shares one of the themes in the show, which is that the greatest illusion in the world is that of separation. That, you know, things that are people think are separate are really one and the same. Um, mm-hmm. And Ang points out that it's like, oh, that's like the four nation, that everything's connected. And he says that the separation of the four elements is an illusion. Even metal is part of the earth that has been purified and reformed. And literally, as he's describing this, Toph is learning how to metal bend. This is also a great way to explain. Because not everybody, especially kids, it's not very common knowledge that metal has bits of earth in it. So this Mm -hmm. was a great way to kind of like quickly explain that while also Mm -hmm. like keep everything moving forward like not stopping down and being like well top was able to do this because they're you know all this stuff so this this was really really smart in in terms of the writing well back in bossing say momo and guitar decide to shop local you know don't go to one of those big you know tea chains they decide to shop local at the jasmine dragon mm-hmm. um and they go inside and they sees she sees zuko taking tea orders which she shock kill bill sirens expect- <laughs> yeah <laughs> On sight, uh, but she just runs off to go warn the Earth King. Um, Aang, meanwhile, is on his last chakra, which will finally help him control the Avatar state and control his actions while he's in the state. 
Uh, they have now entered the Thought Chakra, which is located on the top of the head and deals with cosmic energy and gets blocked by earthly attachment. And God, did I get Jedi vibes from that. Anyway, um, Aang is then asked to meditate on what he's attached to and he sees memories of Katara. And he's like, okay, great. Now let go. <laughs> like, literally, that's what happens. Uh, which pisses Aang off. Yeah. He's like, why should I not be allowed to feel this love? And, you know, you just said that it was good for me to feel this way. But then he's, then the guru says that if he ever wants to have pure cosmic energy to handle the situations, um, he needs to let go of all earthly attachments, including Katara. And again, I was thinking about Jedi, but I was also thinking a little bit about uh, Zaheer, because he, you know, when Kali was killed, his earthly attachment, mm-hmm. he was able to fly. Like, yeah. just just things like that were kind of swirling in my mind during this one scene. So I have I have two questions here. Yeah. Um. One is what what does he really mean when he says let her go? That's one. The second one is is this the only way to gain full control of the Avatar state? Because the show mm-hmm. kind of frames it in a way that yes, this is the only way to do it. But you know, when Aang finally does in the series finale get control of the Avatar state. It's not because he decides to let Katara go, but at the same time, what does letting Katara go mean? I mean, just like he could have gone off and tried to help her without the Avatar state. That's probably what he was going to do before he says, I'm sorry, Katara. And then, you know, Earth bends the crystals around him to unlock his last chakra. Right. But is is he telling Aang that I, I don't think he's telling Aang that he can't love anybody. No, I don't think so. I mean, especially because Aang, it, you know, ends it, up with Katara in the end of the show. Well, you know? Right, and we know that he has full full reign of the, the Avatar state later on in his life. So does he just mean don't let your attachments to people drive your decisions? Is that what he's saying? Maybe. You know, I just, I, I just, maybe it's like, maybe he's also saying like letting go in terms of like, you can't control everything and you have to be okay with potentially losing this person, which doesn't mean mm-hmm. you can't love them, but it means you have to be okay with losing. Don't them. be Anna- Don't be Anakin Skywalker, essentially. <laughs> right. Right. So it's just, kind of, it just kind of makes me think. And I, I also think of Korra because as far as we know, she didn't go through any like chakra alignment that we know of. And as you were saying mm-hmm. each one, I was thinking, Oh, do, do we see her kind of, get over any of these or like you know i mean some people did say about like when cora finally figures out how to airbend um you know she the air chakra which is the one that deals located in the heart and deals with love like mm-hmm. you know she sees mako about to lose his bending she loves him yeah and then she you know that's that desperation that love for him ended up unlocking potentially end up unlocking her air chakra perhaps i don't know well i didn't i didn't even think of that but the one that you said um that the the one that's blocked by fear um that one i was like oh she yeah she eventually gets over her fear of amon because at first she is terrified of him but then she learns the truth and she's no longer afraid so me i could Mm -hmm. see that that was the fire one i think it's just to me it's the the way it's the fact that the show doesn't kind of like revisit this idea of letting katara go that just makes me question like what are the rules of this like and again the 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 term let her go is just so obfuscate. There's so many different like ways to interpret that. So I don't really know even when he, what he does in the next episode in that moment, how is he letting her go? Yeah. Like, is he, you know, it's, it's a little wishy-washy for me. 
I do yeah. understand. I don't know if it's also just a way to propel the plot, you know, and not be able to, and be for him to be able to see the vision of Qatar and that sort of thing. But yeah. Yeah. And it, it's just that. And it's just the fact also that there is, I don't think any mention of it in Korra as well. So that's what makes me think that this isn't the only way to yeah. get full control of the Avatar state. And let's also think about Kiyoshi, you know, like by the end of Rise of Kiyoshi, when, you know, she's finding the guy on the Leitai, uh, mm-hmm. she has full control of the Avatar state at that point. And yeah. she doesn't go through this chakra release training, that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. that's what makes me think it's not the only way, you know. So I don't know. I just thought there's just a lot of interesting questions that come up from this specific scene. The next part, back to Katara, she rushes into the palace and tells Azula, who she thinks is Suki, that Zuko and Iroh have infiltrated the, the city. Uh, Katara then tells them to, you know, tell the Earth King about this. And Azula calmly replies that will not be necessary. But then Katara recognizes Azula's eye color. But as she comes to this realization, it is too late because Tylee chi blocks her and she collapses. Uh, Azula then says that it's time for a family reunion with her brother and uncle. Ooh, shit's gonna go down. Anyway, back to Aang's session with Viguru. He tells Aang that he must open all the chakras to master the Avatar state. Aang says that he's ready to try, and I had to resist the urge to say out loud, do or do not. There is no try. I cannot do a Yoda impression, okay? Don't ask me for that. Don't ask me for that either. <laughs> no. The Empire, I mean, the Empire Strikes Back are heavy in these two episodes. Yes. Which, I mean, I'll, I'll, you know, there's like the, you know, as the other characters are dealing with, you know, heading towards moral peril, uh, you know, the, you know, Aang's having this wisdom and training, doing, you know, headstands, lifting rocks. Oh, sorry, wrong movie. Um, <laughs> but, you know, dealing with all this, like, you know, spiritual knowledge and learning, you know, accessing his potential, his, his mm-hmm. magic and things like that. Um, just as like his friends are getting, you know, one, at least one of his friends is getting captured. Uh, yes. Empire Strikes Back, baby. And I mean, this is a good a time as any to uh, plug our, our Star Wars and Avatar episode. Yes. We did talk extensively, specifically about these two episodes and the, the parallels to Star Wars. So if you do want to check that out, uh, that's episode 34, Star Wars and Avatar. Uh, Aang begins to visualize an image of Katara disappearing into space, and he is taken high. The, the vision has him being taken high above the planet to walk along this purple path of this radiating cosmic energy. Then he sees a giant spheric image of himself, a giant image of himself in the Avatar state, which he surrounds him with the energy radiating from the figure's palms. And he's suddenly startled out of his meditation when he gets an image of Katara, who's being captured underground. Mm-hmm. Um, he just completely abandons the avatar state and just runs towards the image, which causes him to plummet to the earth and the vision's over. Yeah. Um, which, um, which I think the him falling is, is a little foreshadowing as well. Um, but ooh, I, I did not think about that. The, the image of, of like this spirit form of himself is like cemented into my mind. Cause I, I remember watching, cause this was a one hour special when this aired. Mm-hmm. So they've aired both of these episodes at the same time. And I remember like sitting in my living room, lights off, just watching this. And I just, mm-hmm. that is like, so in like, in like really in my mind at all times. It's one of the most, honestly, I think it's like one of the most iconic images of the entire series. It is iconic. Know? And it makes and it, when it, when sim, the similar image you see in Korra, where she's walking to her own cosmic version of herself, that made me really emotional the first time I saw it. So Aang is snapped out of his vision and immediately desperately says that Katara's in trouble and he needs to go back to Ba Sing Se to rescue her. 
Patik tries to stop him and tells him that by choosing attachment, the last chakra has become blocked, and if he leaves now, he will not be able to go into the Avatar state at all. Aang hesitates, but he continues on without looking back or responding, and he's off to go rescue Katara now. Back to Toph, she has successfully invented a subcategory of earthbending. Good for her. <laughs> In a matter of hours. Like, yeah, just casually, you know, just casually invents an entire new subcategory of bending. Just mm-hmm. fine. Just all by yourself. Good we got her. Aang over here doing, like, instantaneous spiritual awareness chakra healing. And we got Toph over here creating a completely new sub-technique of earthbending. You know, these kids are just, it's just, they're, they're wow. amazing. Like, 12, two 12-year-olds, some of the most powerful people in this universe. Just, just think about that for a second. Um, and she escapes the box. Uh, you and Shinfu go back to the box to investigate and find that it's been ripped open. Toph then appears from behind them and it uses earthbending to throw them into the box and just, you know, metal bends them back inside. She tells them, I am the greatest earthbender in the world and don't you two dunderheads ever forget it. And just like, could you imagine if Toph could swear in this universe? What the fuck would she say? Like, would she like say like, don't you fuckers ever forget it? Like, <laughs> I think I think a fuck you would be in there somewhere. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. This, yeah. If she could, that's basically her equivalent, the equivalent of swearing here. Don't you two dunderheads ever forget it. Yeah. Good for her. And also, like, the moment at the end when she, like, runs off using, like, her earthbending to, like, speed run across the Earth Kingdom. Uh, she says, like, you know, like the, the guy, the, the two guys are trapped in the box. And they're like, I'm going to be stuck with you forever, like, aren't I? And this guy's like, I have to go to the bathroom. And he just smacks, the other guy just smacks his head against the wall, like. And we never see them again. <laughs> they're dead. Like, how do they get out of the box anyway? We we don't know if they did. Yeah, like if they were to hypothetically get out, how would they get out? Top just killed people. Yikes. <laughs> it's fine. She probably killed people anyway. Uh, never mind. Let's not think about that too much. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, Sokka and his father are ready to go off and fight the Fire Nation. Sokka, you know, says promises to his dad that he'll make him proud and to prove his skill as a warrior. And Hakoda then says that he doesn't have to prove anything to him because he's already proud of him. Like, aww. I just love scenes of parental validation. Yeah. I don't know what that says about me, though. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm sure that's not something tied to my personal <laughs> personal sense of self-worth. I think it's fucking with me mentally. Like, that's all. <laughs> I'm fine, guys. I'm in therapy. Anyway. Um, this heartfelt moment is cut short when Aang shows up on, on Appa and the worried expression on Aang's face says everything. I love, I love that shot. Just, like... Just like just the fear on his face, the worry, and then Sokka's like, "This can't be good news." Yeah, and just like the mood, then just switches right back. We're excited to see Toph invent metal bending. We go from like the you know fear, you know, we see Katara captured, Aang's not hasn't finished his training, and then we see Toph on like her one of her highest moments when she metal bends for the first time, ends up throwing people who did you know didn't believe in her into a box, and then she's off, she's off on her like riding this high. And then meanwhile, we just snap right back to Sokka getting the validation he's been craving. is ready to go off to fight. Something he'd always wanted to do since he was a kid. And it's great. And then Aang shows up with just, yeah. it just takes the mood right back to, you know, shit's getting real. <laughs> back in the presence of Ba Sing Se, a group of Dai Li agents escort Azula back to, to Long Fang's cell. Um, she demands to know why she's been brought to the prison in the middle of the night. And Long Fang smiles and says that, oh, I know who you are. 
and prompts and wants to make a deal with her because she has the Earth King's trust, which he doesn't have. And he promises the Avatar in return. And again, she is several steps ahead here. She, several like, she, multiple thousand steps ahead. She knows like the fuck she's doing and like, wow. You're going to see like, her at the Oscars like, and the nominees are Azula of the Fire Nation. <laughs> like, okay, girl, this performance was amazing. There you go. Exactly. Very believable. Back at the Jasmine Dragon, Iroh and Zuko are surprised when a messenger delivers the news they've been invited to serve tea to the Earth King. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Zuko is just so happy for his uncle's good fortune. And, you know, it's just, it's just, everything's looking up for him. Everything is sunshine and rainbows. You can't keep doing this to me. Just like <laughs> three <laughs> times. <laughs> Three times. <laughs> the little the writer's like, hey, look at this little glimmer of happiness. We're just gonna <laughs> God damn it. Our patrons are gonna think we're I'm a nut job with these facial expressions I'm making. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You are if you'd like to see me be a goofball on camera, subscribe to our five dollar level to watch me just be make an absolute fool of myself on camera. This podcast would not be fun if I if our psyches were not just a little bit left of center. Okay. <laughs> just a bit. Just a bit. <laughs> anyway, uh, Azula just escorted, is escorted back to her, the, her apartment by the Daily Smirking because her plan is going super fucking well. She is having a great day. This is just, it's just, pieces are coming together. You know, everything's great. And again, this part hurts because Zuko is happy and just another twist of the knife because we know what happens in the next episode. <clears throat> like, even uh... if I had never seen, if I had seen this episode now, like at, 22 years old and had never seen Avatar before, I still would have been like, they're really happy. That's suspicious. That's weird. Just, you know, expecting yeah. something's going to go wrong. You know. But anyway, we'll see what happens in the next episode. You should know that by now for some people and other people. You haven't watched the episode yet. Have fun with this. Anyway, random detail I wanted to say before we go to our ad read real quick. Chameleon Bay was you know, visited centuries earlier by, uh, you know, Kiyoshi and her girlfriend, Grongi, in Rise of Kiyoshi, where they met the Flying Opera Company. So, details. Details, details. Yes, love that. So, yes. And that ends the recap of 219, The Guru. We'll be back with The Crossroads of Destiny. And we are back. All right. Let's do the final recap for Season 2 of Avatar The Last Airbender and Season 2 of Avatar Hour. This is our last recap for the season. So, 220. Yep, 220, the crossroads of destiny. Aang and Sokka meet up with Toph as she escapes from her captors, and the trio are hurrying back to Bossing Sei. Um, on their way, uh, Aang is asked if he has mastered the Avatar state, and he lies to them, saying that he has. Thank um, God they're in the air, because Toph would have known. Yes, yes. I did have that thought. I was like, wouldn't Toph know? But then I realized they're not on the ground. But also, um, like, I mean, Aang's not that good of a liar in this scene either, because he's like, yeah, I totally no, mastered yeah. the Avatar state. What are you talking about? Yeah. And then no one responds to that, like, very They're like, okay, obvious yeah. lie. Somewhere deep underground, Azula is briefing the Dai Li on the coup to overthrow the Earth King, and she tells them that Wang Feng has placed her in charge. Um, at one point, she mentions that she will snuff out any hesitation or disloyalty, and she's she eyes this Dai Li agent with a very uh, identifiable scar on his face. More on him later. After yeah. dismissing the Dai Li, Azula remarks to Mei and Tai Li that there are still loose ends to tie up, the Avatar and Zuko and Iroh. Speaking of, Zuko and Iroh are arriving to the palace to serve tea to the Earth King, 
But Zuko quickly realizes that something is up after, that's you know, suspicious. That's, that's weird. weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, suddenly, Azula comes in with this small entourage of Daili agents. Zuko is about to throw down, but Iroh takes a little bit of a different approach and asks Azula if she knows how he got the nickname the Dragon of the West. Zuko is quick on the uptake and ducks as Iroh breathes fire from his mouth and the two make an escape. Um, this was obviously, I mean, really cool. Fans. I do think about it though, because he sips tea right before, so there is fire coming, but there's also like hot tea like splurting everywhere. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Like, Azula's, he weaponized tea. <laughs> yeah, Azula's like not bothered by the fire, but she got like some tea in her eye and she's like, oh my god, that was gross. Um, <laughs> so Iroh gets away. Um, very, very cool. He he uses some lightning bending to like blast a wall away. Um, he jumps out and he tells Zuko that he's gonna be fine, but Zuko decides to stay, saying that he has to finally face Azula. And I'm just like, I don't know, Let bro. Go, I don't feel dude. like I don't feel like this is the right time because it's like you could almost see him like backpedaling again. Like it's like that whole thing that the yeah. whole conversation he and Iroh had in Lake Laogai. Like, what now? What are you going to do? And then what? You know, he doesn't think, like, he he's not only fighting Azula, she has a battalion of Daily agents with her, you know, and that ends up being his downfall. He tries to challenge her to an Agni Kai, um, and she's like, no thanks! And then the Daily just quickly apprehend him. But I think it is cool that in this season finale, he asks her for Agni Kai, and she says no. In the next season finale, we all know what happens. Um, meanwhile, the gang arrives at the palace to tell the Earth King of Aang's vision of Katara being in trouble. The king assures them that Katara is completely fine and she's probably just with the other Kyoshi warriors. Sokka assures them that they are just fine, but when they go back to the house to check, they realize Katara actually is in trouble because she is not there. Just then, they hear a knock on the door and Toph remarks that she's actually uh, met this person before. And she opens the door to reveal Iroh, who says he needs their help. Um, also, I just gotta say, like, the faces they make when they see Arrow at the door is I wish I took a screenshot of it. It's priceless. Yeah. Because, like, everyone, like, Top's just delighted, and the other two are just angry She's and like, horrified. this. And then they're like, Hah! Like. <laughs> Get a screenshot of that. Post Save that for, like, use that as, like, a Patreon promo here. Just Exactly. Um, Aang and Sokka are obviously confused on how Top befriended Iroh. And Iroh informs them that Azula is in Bossing Say and that she's uh, captured Zuko. Um, they guess that that she must also have Katara at this point. Iroh implores him, implores them to help him rescue Zuko, saying that there is still good inside him. Sokka is initially distrusting, but Aang puts the situation into perspective and says that the only way to save Katara is to work with Iroh. Um, so they decide to work with him. Iroh mentions that he brought someone along who may be able to help them. And we see that he's captured the Daili agent with the scar on his face from earlier, um, which just really tells you that this man didn't even do anything. And Azula already knows this person is not trustable. He's going to spill everything. He's going to spill everything. Exactly. He informs them that Azula and Longfang are planning a coup and that they're keeping Katara in the crystal catacombs beneath the city. I also love that he's like, he he's like completely Immediately spills it. Completely spills it for like this old guy and some kids. <laughs> like he's like completely intimidated and terrified. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, as he should be. I mean, but, like considering that top immediately like just earthbends him up, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. Um, speaking of catacombs, we cut to Zuko being thrown in uh, with Katara. 
Um, she's at first, of course, furious to see him, betting that this is just like one giant scheme to capture Aang. But Zuko is not responding. He's just sitting there. He's not ignoring her, but he's just not responding. When she says that he doesn't know the pain of the Fire Nation killing her mother or the, all, all the other pain that the Fire Nation inflicted on the world, Zuko apologizes and says that this is something that they both have in common, which catches Katara's attention. More on this later. I want to I want to talk about this little encounter when we mm-hmm. get back to them. Um, outside of the palace, the trio, along with Iroh, discovers the location of the catacombs and they decide to split up. Sokka and Toph are going off to inform the Earth Kingdom of the coup while Iroh and Aang descend down into the catacombs. Um, and this is just a very lovely pairing because um, we don't we don't see just these two characters alone um, ever in, in the in the story. Um, mm-hmm. Aang is like telling Iroh, he says like he, he's heard from Toph that he makes great tea and he gives good advice. Iroh asks what's on his mind and he tells Iroh about his experience with the guru and how he couldn't give up someone he loves to attain the power of being controlled in the avatar state. Iroh says that it is wise to choose love over power because he thinks power is overrated. Um, and Aang asks, asks what happens if he and the others just can't beat Azula. Iroh admits that he does not know, but he knows that, like this dark tunnel they're in, they can't always see the light at the end of it, but that if they just keep going, they will come to a better place. And as he says this last line, they break through the last wall into the beautiful catacombs. I think that's my favorite bit of Iroh advice right there. The, mm-hmm. like, you know, you just keep moving forward through your life and eventually you're going to meet something, you know, good. Yeah. yeah. Better. <laughs> um, as Sokka and Toph enter the palace, they witness one of the generals from the Council of Five being apprehended by the Dai Li, which devolves into a montage of the other four generals being captured by the Dai Li. Um, I, I meant to... Uh, ask this i don't think we've seen the daily do this in other episodes but how are they making those chains fly like because it reminds me of the metal bending police in cora that's right but how are they are they just throwing the chains or they is there is there earth inside of the chain i mean we know there's earth and metal but i'm saying like how are are the chains not made of earth (laughs) you know so i was just wondering how they did Hmm. that like why couldn't they just use the earth hands you know, very weird. I don't know. I don't know. The two make it into the throne room in an attempt to warn the Earth King about the coup. Uh, Toph immediately recognizes Haile when she asks who Suki is, and she throws her to the side with some rocks. May, realizing that the covers are now blown, attacks back. However, the fighting is cut very short as Azula soon has the king at flame point. Sokka and Toph surrender and are disabled by Tai Lee. And as they're being hauled away, Long Fang arrives with the Dai Li and announces very dramatically, now is the time to double-cross you. Um, and then when he orders his agents to arrest Azula, they do nothing. And when, he, and when he's like, "What? what's wrong with you? Azula then explains that the Dai Li are doing nothing because they're waiting to see how this ends. And I am not someone that likes to um, blow things out of proportion. But this is like possibly some of the greatest lines in this entire show. Oh, absolutely. Because she reads this man for absolute filth. The library is open, darling. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> she correctly deduces that he's, like, lower class by birth, but he's managed to, like, claw and connive his way to power. But she says the divine right to rule is something you're born with. And then she says this amazing line. By the way, this is all underscored by Jeremy Zuckerman's amazing Azula theme music. But she says this amazing line, amazing line, the fact is, they, the Dai Li, don't know which one of us is going to be sitting on that throne and which one of us is going to be bowing down. But I know, and you know. 
and it's just so good and it's not even like it's not even over yet mm-hmm. because long thing surrenders he bows to azula admits that she has beaten him at his own game to which azula smugly replies don't flatter yourself that he was not even a player it uh just like so good mm, that is biting yes. that is biting i mean like this man this man took like probably years to connive his way to power and to gain control of the city and she manages to do it in two days like mm-hmm. i mean we kn- i know we're not supposed to be on Azula's side here but <laughs> like long thing also sucks <laughs> so yeah exactly you can't just be like work like you like you're like go off like that's amazing yeah so we cut back to zuko and katara in the catacombs katara apologizes for yelling at, for yelling at him before and explains that every time she's imagined the face of evil she's imagined his face zuko takes this to mean that she's talking about his scar even though katara says that's not what she meant but he says that it's okay and he explains that he used to think that the scar marked him forever cursing him to chase the avatar forever but that lately he's realized that he is free to determine his own destiny this is so 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 important for zuko's character the episode's literally the crossroads of destiny it is quite literally the crossroads of destiny Katara then mentions that she could possibly heal Zuko's scar with the water from the spirit oasis that she was gifted at the beginning of the season. And before <laughs> Zuko can answer, Iroh and Aang bombard their way into the prison, that, um, and the both of them go to hug Zuko and Katara, respectively. So I want to talk about this these two scenes with um, Zuko and Katara. Because mm. I, you know, this scene is, like, often cited as, like, the... Zutara! Yeah, it's often cited as the Zutara scene, but this is why I, I don't like that it's not because i don't like zutara it's because it to me completely misses the entire point of what the scene is trying to do because it shows that these two people polar opposites in every single way literally fire and water literally fire and water finding a commonality in war and suffering Mm -hmm. and it's two people that you would never would think would have this be having this conversation you know and it's katara also too like getting over the bias she has against the fire nation however well founded that it is getting over the bias of the fire nation and what zuko has done to them in the past you know like this is a it's a really big thing for katara sure but for zuko this is this is crazy because like season one Zuko would never have had this conversation with Katara. He would fight no. back. He would be biting. Like he would, he wouldn't take any of it, but he sits there and listens and he responds in a very sympathetic way. He's like, that's something we both have in common. And it's like the fever dreams, like really did a number on him because he's starting to see very clearly now, you know, which makes it even hurt worse though. Cause like he has his information and then makes the decision that he does at the end of the episode which which makes yeah which makes that decision even more like pulling your hair out as it is you know but it's the fact that zuko finds a way to relate to katara in this moment and how he we get an insight of how he's come to peace with his destiny and his scar because he thinks it used to like mark him and curse him you know but now he realizes that it it doesn't have to hold him back and i wanted to ask you if ang and iroh didn't interrupt do you think zuko would try this do you think zuko would want katara to try to use this water on him i don't think so yeah personally i don't think he would because like he seems to be more at peace with it now with the scar with the mark that like you know i think at this point it doesn't like he's fine with having it that he doesn't define him anymore you know 
I think that's that's my personal opinion right mm-hmm. there. I'm kind of in the middle. I think season three Zuko, definitely not. But I think season two Zuko, because he is at a very... He's, he is a bit more 50-50. He is at you. a very pivotal point in his arc. And again, it's the crossroads, right? Do I heal the scar? Do I not? And he's had to like grow and become the person he is despite having that scar, having that mark. And so I wonder if there would be a part of him that would absolutely want to have it be taken away. I, at least in my opinion, I don't think Zuko in this moment has the emotional maturity to be like, no, I am who I am because of this scar and I'm going to wear it proudly. I don't think he's just, he, I don't think he's quite there. No, yet. I think he, I mean, I think he's at the point where like, so there's like, okay, so there's like way of thinking about yourself. So there is like this negative side, everything about you is bad to neutral where mm. it's like, you know, when it comes to like, especially with things like body dysmorphia, you know, there's like the completely body shaming yourself, things like that, because you don't admit any sort of expectation of the society. And then there's like, you know, the neutral part. And I think he's in the neutral part right now where he's like not quite proud of the scar, but he's neutral about it now. It yeah. doesn't hurt him. You know, it doesn't like hurt him as much. You know what I mean? That's what I, that's, that's what I think he's at right now. Yeah. Yeah, very, very interesting stuff going on with Zuko. Um, and I think in some ways the episode really focuses on him in this particular conversation and in the scenes coming after this. Um, but yeah, I, w- I want to know from, from anyone who's listening, let us know, DM us, do you think Zuko would have taken the Spirit Water Oasis or do you think he would have not? So yeah, I- Iroh and Aang come in to rescue them. Zuko asks how Iroh could possibly be helping Aang. And his uncle explains that Zuko is a different man now and that he has come to a pivotal point where he has come to the crossroads of his destiny and that he should choose good, roll credits. finally. Yeah, roll credits. <laughs> Again, before Zuko can make any sort of decision, Iroh is suddenly encased in crystals as Azula appears. Now here Again, here's another question. Would he have chosen that good path if Azula didn't come up? I think he would have. Yeah. Especially after that conversation with Katara. I think he would have. Mm-hmm. But Azula, again, connives her way into his mind, you know, and starts warping reality. Azula always lies, remember? So she says that she expected this sort of treachery from Iroh, but not from him. Azula entices him, saying that if Zuko joins her, Zuko will gain back his father's love and his honor. Iroh begs Zuko to not listen to Azula, telling him that this the kind of redemption that Azula is offering is not the redemption for him or the redemption that he actually wants. But Azula counters and says that they will only win if they do it together. Iroh begs him even more for Zuko to look deep inside his heart and see what he truly wants. Azula sends Dali away and tells Zuko that he can choose whatever he wants and she walks away, leaving him to ponder his options. So obviously, obviously this mirrors the scene we got um, in the last episode where Zuko's having that fever dream of the two dragons of with Azula's voice and Iroh's voice. So it's quite literally being played out in this moment very similarly. But Iroh, of course, he is right. The redemption that Zuko thinks he gets in season three ends up not being the actual redemption he wants. You know, like Iroh is right on the money with this. And there's also there's this moment here where the the camera is cutting between the side of his face with the scar and the side of his face without the scar. And I just love that. I because lo- again, you can you could just see like it's obvious symbolism of the bad and the good, you know, or quote unquote bad, you know, um, based on how Zuko sees himself. Um, but then there's just this like final shot of him bowing his head, seemingly making a decision, but we don't know what just yet. So before we get into the final battle, uh, we cut to Sokka top in the Earth King in the jail cell. 
Um, Sokka gives Toph the all clear before she bends the metal door and springs them from the cell. Back in the throne room, um, Toph and Sokka prepare to take on Mei and Tylee once again, but Mei, in her nonchalance, just says to take the bear. <laughs> and the king reunites happily with Bosco. So back to the catacombs, Aang and Katara um, are running through them. They're going to meet up with Toph and Sokka, but they are suddenly blasted with a blast of blue fire. Aang and Katara fight back, and just as they corner Azula, Zuko makes his own entrance. His eyes shift between the two groups before landing on Aang. Um, and Aang, you notice that he he knows what's about to happen. He can see. So Zuko attacks Aang, and he cements his place on Azula's side, and the four of them break off and duel each other. So, I mean... This is, I mean, this is really what the the season has been leading up to with Zuko, you know, like, and I know this is the moment where people like, again, are very, are like extremely like pissed off at Zuko for making this decision. Everyone collect, everyone collectively screams at their screens at this point. Like you can hear, like, you could hear it across the world. (laughs) Like, no, Zuko, Jasmine, Jasmine T. (laughs) (laughs) exactly again this is one of those things where when i watch it with people for the first time they are just like oh come on man like you were so close like why like it really hits people like they really Mm -hmm. care about zuko and they want him to do good you know this is why he's got the best redemption arc like he gets like he he gets so close he tries to get what he wants he get tries to get what he wants but he thinks he wants Mm -hmm. then he shows shown a different way but then he then thinks that he reverts back to where he was before and then, what with this new knowledge, and then eventually, you know, comes back around again. Like, yeah. he needed to get what he got. Guys, he needed to get what he thought he wanted to realize that he didn't want that. Th- this is a great way to subvert your audience's expectations. Because it, this is how you do it. It not only is set up earlier that Zuko could possibly make this decision. So it doesn't come out of nowhere. It is a plausible mm-hmm. thing that someone could guess that he would do. But it really makes you engage with the scene because you just can't believe that Zuko has made this decision after seeing what his life could be if he stayed on the good path. And that's what makes this decision the best thing to watch as an audience member, you know, and it really draws you into his arc and you want him to pick the right decision to do the right thing. And of course, you're watching not in the situation, you're watching it logically, you're watching it like from an external point of view, you can see all the things that Zuko could have, but it's that insecurity that Zuko will only get what he wants if he gets his honor back from his father, you know? And that is just the result of where he is now, the trauma that his father inflicted on him, you know, the trials and tribulations he's experienced in these past three years, not being at his father's side, you know, there's just so many things going on here. But anyway, let's talk about this specific fight. Um, we see a lot of, like, new bending stuff that we've never seen before in the show. Um, particularly, Octopus. like, the fire whips that Zuko used to fight with. Um, to fight and, with. Like, her and, her, and, her and Katara use, like, you know, him and Katara use, like, the same, like, firearm, mm-hmm. waterarm fight style as well. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and also, there's also this moment where Aang, like, bends the form of his body with air. He, like, pushes out yeah. the form of his oh body. Oh, my God, that was so cool. That was really cool. Yeah. So a lot of, like, really cool inventive bending going on. Um, also, and- the octopus arms. I'm a sucker for the octopus arms. Oh, okay? absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, which is cool because we have seen that earlier in the season. Not in, like, the context of a battle, but, but you yeah. know. Um, but I-, I also realized while I was watching that, that apart from the chase episode... 
this is the only real big fight we get between Zuko and Aang this season versus season one where they were running into each other every other episode like... and having this duel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. Katara and Azula's duel is also pretty cool. And we can see that they are are, are pretty even match for each other. And Katara totally would have beaten Azula if Zuko hadn't stepped in. Um, so, again, like, it's a nice, again, foreshadowing for their confrontation in the season three finale. Um, but at one point, uh, Aang bends a giant boulder and he's, like, surfing on it towards Zuko and Azula charging them. But before he can get very far, a Daily agent swoops in out of nowhere and stops him. Um, and before they know it, Katara and Aang are just suddenly outnumbered by the Daily. And Aang is reminded of Guru Patik's words, the only way is to let her go. So Aang realizes what he has to do. And he, like, bends uh, some crystals around him and he meditates into the avatar state. Um, I'm just going to suspend my disbelief here and just assume that no one wanted to stop him. <laughs> Because I think they very easily could have just, like, you know, prevented him from mm -hmm. doing this, but it's fine. Um, he begins, you know, he breaks out of the, the crystal whatever tent. Um, he starts hovering, and it looks like everything going is going his way. He's finally got full control of the Avatar state. He's not, like, you know, bending elements out of his will. Look at him go. You can do it. Look at him go. And then, bang, Azula shoots him with a bolt of lightning. I remember watching this with Robert for the first time. I had already, again, I'd already watched Avatar. I was ahead of him. I knew how everything was going to go. So he's, so I'm sitting at my desk with watching it on my laptop. He's sitting behind me. Like he's in this like crouched position like this. He's just like, he is watching this. His eyes are just lit up. He is so happy to see this. He's just like, yes, this is great. And then I don't even, I'm not even watching the screen at this point. I'm watching my brother. Uh -huh. And all of a sudden, he gets hit by the lightning and just like his face just like falls just the just the horror on his face and he literally like he is like he's like crouched in this little ball he literally just falls to the side on my bed <laughs> like yeah <laughs> i also remember watching this as like an 8 year old and being like oh my fucking what the fuck god. oh my fucking god i mean i wasn't saying that but i i was like shook like i was completely shook like this is not how these shows are supposed to go you mm -hmm. know absolutely and I, gutted but again, it's this is a great subversion of expectation once again because we do learn at the beginning of the season that if you're killed in the Avatar state, the cycle can be broken. So not only are you hinted in that it could possibly happen, but there's a lot of stakes going on into this. You know, this whole season has been about Aang like trying to grapple with the power of the Avatar state, and when he finally mm -hmm. does, he gets shot down. Like it's it's just it's so heartbreaking. Um, yeah. and at it that moment, absolutely gutsy every time I watch it. <laughs> yeah, and at that moment, um, the Avatar spirit, like the cosmic spirit, falls from you know a plane of existence, and as Aang falls back to the ground, Katara creates this huge wave, and she manages to scatter the Dai Li, Zuko, and Azula, and she catches Aang before he hits the ground. Um, Avatar Wiki said this. Um, this image of uh, Katara holding um. Aang's body is very uh, symbolic of La Pieta, which is like, you know, the Virgin Mary holding Jesus after he's been crucified. Um, mm -hmm. Which, I mean, also Aang gets resurrected later on in, in in the scene. So it's like, it's like a little bit Christ oh, narrative geez. here. Iroh uh, suddenly appears and tells her to get Aang out of there and that he will hold off Azula and the others as long as he can. Um, and I, I realized here that as they're escaping, Iroh is having to fight Zuko. Because the way that Zuko and Azula are positioned and it cuts to Iroh, we don't see it happening, but Iroh does 
punch towards Zuko's direction. So he is having to fight his nephew away. And I can only imagine what that must be like for Iroh. Like, that's but terrible. Look at his face. But look at his face when he finally ends up getting subdued by the Dai Li. Like, just... Yeah. He can't even look at him. That, that, ju- that, the... The scene of him, like, looking at him and then, like, turning his head away. And also just... Can't even look at him. And how the music just, like, don't... Like, it's, like... It's it's so good. It's so good. Um, yeah. The entire group manages to escape. And while flying away on Appa, Katara uses her spirit oasis water to heal Aang, who initially appears dead. Um, Aang's tattoos glow momentarily. And he opens his eyes and smiles at her weakly. Um, and we get the same shot of Katara. The same... The same it mirrors the shot of her meeting Aang for the first time. Yeah. That's right. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it's it's just it's really heartwarming and Katara is just obviously completely overwhelmed that he is okay. Um again, I I do have to mention, I mentioned this before on the show. Um apparently I did not see this happen as a kid. I did not oh. see this little moment of Aang coming back to life. I just thought he was dead. <laughs> so imagine little me, 8 years old, like the show ends and I think Aang is just dead. I think the show is over. Like not they're not coming back for season three. Cause you know, you never knew when you were a kid when things were coming back, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was just, I just remembered being like completely and utterly despaired. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't want to watch the episode again. Cause I didn't want to feel sad, you know? But yeah. it's funny to think that if I did, I could have saved myself like months of like anguish. <laughs> oh God. Anyway, meanwhile, in the palace, Zuko starts to doubt his decision to portray Iroh. Again, Azula connives her way into his mind and reassures him that by telling, uh, by, uh, you know, it was Iroh who actually portrayed him, not the other way around. Zuko asks Azula about returning to the Fire Nation, raising his doubts about being accepted and having his honor restored um, since he doesn't have the Avatar. But Azula says it doesn't matter because he restored his own honor. And Zuko is still unsure. Remember Zuko, Azula always lies. You said it yourself. So as Team Avatar fly away on Appa, uh, the Earth King looks back and sadly proclaims the Earth Kingdom has fallen. And that is the end of the episode. Damn. Again, Empire Strikes Back vibes. Han Solo has been, you know, taken by Jabba the Hutt now. Like, he was frozen by Darth Vader. And Luke finds out that a terrible truth about himself. Like, just... The vibes are there. Yeah. I've already talked about it, but I wanted to bring it up one more time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that concludes our season two recap of Avatar The Last Airbender. We did it. My, somehow. it has been a ride. And we only have one Seriously. more season of Avatar to recap. <laughs> it's crazy. Crazy. It is crazy. We're not even at a year. Anyway, who's in charge of the schedule? I am. Um, <laughs> cool. So let's. Yeah, no one to blame but yourself, buddy. <laughs> exactly. So let's move over to the Azula Bell counter. So at the beginning of this season, we made some predictions of how many times the Azula Bell would be played in this season. Kayla predicted. I think originally you predicted like seventy-five or something. And I, I was like, I, I thought because you think I thought you were going to talk about seasons two and three. So I did not. I thought that was like overall Azula Bell counter, and that's where I got. Oh, the that might be why <laughs> you went so high. <laughs> That's funny. No, I'm sorry. I thought that's that's on me. The word the more thing was probably not as clear as it should have been. Yeah, it was meant to be for season two. But you know, it paid off because you ended up being very, very, very close. So you predict you ended up going with 35. I went with 43. So let's break down how many bells we heard in these episodes. So in 219, the counter is right now uh, 24. We're at 24 bells. For 219, we had four bells. So let's give it up for four bells. 
that's four. We're up to 28. And for 220 Crossroads of Destiny, we had nine Azula Bell. So let's give it up for that. Which brings our total to 37 Azula Bells. So you were very, very close. very close, Kayla. There was a moment where when I was going back through the episode to like double check the Azula Bell counter, you were it was at 35. And I was like, this bitch is going to be running the money. And I'm going to be so upset. <laughs> I'm going to be so jealous. Do I get a prize for this? <laughs> I, like I said, whoever wins gets absolutely nothing. <laughs> I'm just making a joke. I don't want anything. <laughs> <laughs> so that's 37 bells for season two counted by the Avatar Hour podcast. We will make our predictions for how many bells we're going to hear in season three when we come back for Atlas season three next season of the podcast. All right. And that brings us into Fandom Corner. So Fandom Corner, I decided this week to actually be like talking about something that happened in the episode. Mm-hmm. I found this uh, clip from Instagram uh, well, actually, it's technically a screenshot from Instagram, but I stole it from Google because I had seen it before. Um, basically, as a picture of Aang and Zuko's different lightning scars they have, both from Azula. So um, it has a quote from Guru Patik, which says that the earth chakra located at the base of the spine deals with survival and is blocked by fear. And that's where the, that's where Katara ends up healing you know, Aang's, you know, scar from Azula mm-hmm. um, from her lightning strike. And uh, then it ca- that has a picture of, like, uh, Katara healing Zuko's lightning scar from he- when he gets from Azula during his Agni Kai, uh, where it says the fire chakra located in the stomach. The chakra deals with the willpower and is blocked by shame. So discuss. <laughs> a lot of, again, a lot of great parallels between Aang and mm-hmm. Zuko. Both mm-hmm. being healed, both being inflicted by Azula, the the lightning, and also being healed by Katara, um, mm-hmm. so that's really really cool. Um, but yeah, yeah. The placement of these scars and like you know also, Ang ran away from his destiny while Zuko tried to run, fr- you know, head first, face first into mm-hmm. what he thought was his destiny. That yeah. too. Yeah. Um. You know survival and fear with Aang's arc and you know willpower and shame with Zuko's just ugh it's like poetry it rhymes <laughs> well I, I also did want to mention a, a, a tiny mini corner um extreme mm-hmm. secrecy underscore um messaged us on Instagram and we were talking last week about what uh Zuko's fever dream of him seeing himself as Aang could possibly mean um and they sent us this uh, YouTube video um, called Avatar: The Last Airbender: The Weight of Cinema Analysis, and it's a it's a part two of a four part video series on YouTube. Um, I only watched the second part, um, but I would definitely go and check it out. It's really cool, really informative. Um, but in the video, um, the the person doing the video essay um, says that the reason that Zuko sees himself as Aang is because Zuko realizes that he also has, or he will soon realize that he also has a um responsibility and an obligation to bring balance to the world um so i was like well there you go that's it that has to be it right oh yeah that makes sense now yeah definitely makes a lot of sense especially especially in like the part especially when we realize in the end that they both have incredibly influential roles on you know the world Mm -hmm. you know they both have to bring balance in different ways so yep absolutely 
There so you yeah, go. thank you, Extreme Ex- Extreme Secrecy, for uh, sending that to us on Instagram. Uh, we love it when our listeners send us stuff and also help us figure out things from Avatar that we m- ourselves might not understand or completely, you know, interpret correctly. So thank you again. All right, let's move on to recommendations. What do we have this week, Kayla? So I threw mine in at the last minute because I totally forgot to. But uh, ignoring that, I found this person on TikTok, actually. Um, so the Etsy store is Nicole Brennan Draws. It's Brennan is spelled with uh, two N's and two it's a you know, B-R-E-N-N-A-N. Nicole Brennan Draws. And she does some cool artwork and earrings. Um, and I just ordered the last uh, space lesbian earrings that have like the lesbian flag color on like this on like these planets. I love like the I love the, the earrings, like cool earrings. Oh, so I am so excited to get it to me in time here in time for Pride Month. Um, but Yay. she's doing a video. She does videos on um, TikTok about like some like some pride history for baby gays, which I think is really cool. You guys should go check her out on TikTok. Um, and she has like a, a bice cream cone sticker. She has like be gay, do crimes, too queer for your binary, you know, pins like saying we are everywhere, dumb bitch juice stickers and earrings, like all of these really cool like creative earrings and stickers and pins like amazing. So go check that out. Uh, TikTok and on Etsy. Uh, awesome. Draws, so. My recommendation this week is an app called Time Crumbs. Um, so I have recently been making the transition to being a full-time freelancer. And um, that requires keeping track of the um, time you're spending on a specific project, especially if you are doing an hourly rate with your client. Um, and Time Crumbs is a really useful app. It just times all of your work. And um, it also tells you how much you can expect to get paid, does all the math for you. And it's great, mm. a really easy app, um, especially if you're doing your own invoices. Um, so, yeah, I definitely it's a very simple app. There isn't a whole lot of features, um, but I think that's completely fine. It works just as well. So, yeah, if you need an app like that, definitely go and check out. Check it out. It's called Time Crumbs. OK, I want to take note of that. You can color code different jobs so you can keep track of it. You can label um, what you worked on in that time that you pressed the timer on. So yeah, works really well. All right. Well now before we go, we do want to remind y'all that we do offer exclusive benefits over on our Patreon, which we referenced a few times during the episode. It has some behind the scenes stuff like our episode, you know, docs and a look into our zoom meetings. So you can see me make all the goofy facial expressions you, your heart desires. Cause I'm a very expressive person. Um, you can also get early release episodes and bonus content like our flagship benefit, the Avatar After Hour. Our most recent episode involved us doing uh, Stan, ca- Stan Twitter casted Avatar. I kind of took that and ran off ran, ran off the rails with it, but it's very funny. We both yes. hated our cast that we did and <laughs> just go enjoy, go subscribe at our $5 level to enjoy the chaos that ensues. Ensues? Ensues? I don't know what the right word is. Anyway, ensues. Anyway. But if $5 a month is too much for you, it's okay. We have a $1 a month tier as well. And our highest tier, even that, our highest tier is like $5 a month. So go check us out on patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast. Awesome. And if you would like to get in touch with us to send in feedback or send in your own submissions for a fandom corner, you can email us at the Avatar Hour podcast at gmail.com, as well as at our social media channels on Facebook and Instagram at the Avatar Hour podcast and on Twitter at Avatar Hour all right, so you know we we have finished season two of Avatar: The Last Airbender, but we still have two more episodes for this season of the Avatar Hour podcast. 
Next week, we will be interviewing some people who have made some pretty big waves in the Avatar fandom with their very popular fan-made webcomic, but we're going to keep the name Hush Hush for now, keep y'all in suspense. Um, but again, if you want to figure out who it is, our monthly episode schedule for Patreon will be coming on June 1st, so you know, check that out if you want. Um, and then after that, we're going to have one more episode for a season two finale. We will be finishing with a very special Pride Month special. And, yes, um, I'm so excited. <laughs> yes, and again, we're going to keep the details on that hush for now. Um, but yeah, after that, we'll be taking a, a short break from the show. And But we will be coming back very soon uh, with season three of the Avatar Hour podcast. Almost a year. It's been crazy. Uh, but, it's crazy. Yeah, but we wouldn't have been here without the amazing listenership that we've, we've had in the last ten months or something. It's been truly amazing finding new listeners and having people send in feedback and submissions for Fandom Corner. So thank you guys so much for listening. Absolutely. We, you know, we really appreciate all the interaction we get. I mean, we have fun making the podcast. We're just so glad people like it and interact with our stuff. And, you know, it means a lot because, you know, it takes a lot of work to make something like this, make a podcast like this happen. So we appreciate, you know, anyone who even does something as simple as follow us on Instagram or any of our other platforms. And, uh, you know, even those who subscribe to us on Patreon, we really do appreciate any bit of support we get. Even the listeners who don't follow us on social media and simply just subscribe to our podcast. We really appreciate you. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So that's it for us. Thank you guys so much for listening. My name is Andre. And I'm Kayla. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye, everyone.